0: It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That's great, it's dark, it's wake, birth, it starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and airplanes, yeah, many brutes, not afraid. I have a hurricane, listen to yourself, good world, but you don't need something, give your own hands. beat it up, and I'll got no excuse, The ladder, put the clatter, with the, the fear of fight, down tight, like fire in the fire, with the of the gang, the government for hire in a combat site, but like you wasn't coming in a hurry, but the fury to it down your neck. Reporter, the, trump, the with that low plane, find them. overflow, your you me the the right. right you like. it, right, It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. And I feel fine. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. This is the hour of doom. <laughs> it could really actually be the Hour of Doom. I, November 8th is coming up.
1: I feel like we're getting kind of close to that <laughs> Hour of Doom. Actually, that's very pessimistic.
0: That's The world isn't
1: going to explode at on the eve of right away. November 9th. Not right away. But, Take
0: a little while. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but, my goodness, are there going to be crazy, crazy changes.
0: I'll to, say.
1: If either one gets in, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know.
0: Unrecognizable America, that's not the topic of this show.
1: Okay, well then you know what? Friends
0: and neighbors. You
1: know what else this hour is? What? The hour of bloom.
0: That's right, that's right. Hey guys, welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour, a happy hiatus in a horrible, horrible world. (laughs) I'm I'm Joe Alton, MD, also known as Dr. Bones of doomandbloom.net, where you'll find almost 900, 900, wow, videos, podcasts, and all sorts of stuff on medical preparedness for any disaster.
1: And I'm Amy Alton. I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. I also want to say, if the sound is a little funky, it's because we're in, still, Tennessee.
0: That's right. And
1: the audio quality, although I did fix the microphone (laughs) for folks who heard a a crazy show last week, at least in the beginning. We didn't have our proper microphone. Hopefully I fixed the cable. I think I'm a fixer up it. At-
0: you are the most incredible <laughs> Really I, I, it's amazing all the stuff that you can do. You're Aww. not you're not just a pretty face, unlike me. I am. I got that from my dad. Fa- <laughs> he he was in
1: the air force and he learned to be an airline mechanic and so he just knows how to take everything apart and put it back together and He's even built additions onto his house, so hopefully some of that rubbed off on me.
0: Well, the only thing I can take apart and put back together is, is a
1: person. Is you, Yeah, And that's why I always say I have the two perfect men in my life. Oh. I have my dad who can fix everything else and you who can fix human beings. And between the two of you, I've got a pretty great survival team there. I'm super, super lucky.
0: I'll say, and we are super lucky to have you.
1: Aww.
0: Our mission, well, it is to put a medically prepared person in every family for any disaster. That is our mission. And together, we are the dynamic duo. We are the perfect pair, the courageous couple. The gang of two. Be
1: careful of that cable. <laughs> You're going to knock I'm it out of banging, the computer. I, but I don't feel strongly about you it. You feel very strongly. That's
0: right. Well, we're here to help you guys out there keep it together, even if everything else falls apart. Friends and neighbors, have you been injured in an accident with a dangerous Democrat or a rapacious Republican? Possibly, haven't we all? Our attorney (laughs) says, don't call me, call Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy and listen to this.
1: All information given and opinions voiced on Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's Survival Medicine Hour are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent anything other than post-apocalyptic... Do not represent. And do not (laughs) represent medical advice.
0: That's right.
1: (laughs) We don't represent, post-apocalyptic says, we don't represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. No contract or provider-patient relationship exists, or is implied between the hosts and listeners, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy strongly urge their audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available.
0: Ah, but in a disaster, modern and standard medical care, when is it indeed available? And the bottom line is you better know what to do in a medical emergency, get some supplies, maybe even some supplies from, guess who, from the beautiful nurse Amy's entire line (laughs) of often imitated, never equaled medical kits in our store at store.doomandbloom.net.
1: Well, they are pretty awesome, I have to admit. (laughs) That's
0: right, and it's never too late to become medically prepared. Get your act together. Hey, what is the story, Morning Glory? We learn as much from you as you do from us. So connect with us, it is easy, and here's the beautiful you-know-who to tell you how.
1: Well, you can contact us by email at drbonespodcast at aol.com. Find us on Facebook at our group, Survival Medicine, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. We have a couple of pages, Doom and Bloom and Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy Show. You can like those, friend us there. Also, you have a personal page, which is Joe Alton, MD, on Uh Facebook. So many Facebook things. Not our fault. That's a long story. I just say Joe Alton. <laughs> yeah. No, it says Joe Alton MD. Oh, does it? Oh. Yeah, it actually has the MD. There's probably another Joe Alton, as you can imagine. But it
0: comes to both of us. So.
1: Yeah. Um, we have a Twitter, at Prepper Show. And don't forget our YouTube channel, DR Bones Nurse Amy, and our other podcast, all about current events. And Politics. Don't listen if you don't want to hear it. (laughs) American Survival Radio now broadcasts from KPJC. Relevant. I did I say that right this time? Thank goodness. Relevant News Talk Radio out of Salem, Oregon, or Oregon, as they say, and And the voice of Lubbock, Texas, radio KRFE. That's pretty cool. We're on two radio shows for that one.
0: That's right. A lot of different stations. Well, and we don't want to forget or our friends at the stations. We don't want to forget our friends at the Pepper Broadcasting Network and uh, the USA Emergency Broadcasting Network, uh, Shake and Wake Radio, Survival yes. Central, some of the other. Thank you networks for replaying the
1: show. We really appreciate That's it, guys. Right.
0: Okay. Hey, you know what? What I wanted to talk about a little bit
1: okay. is
0: what happened with. Now, this is an interesting story. I read a story, and it's brand new, Mm -hmm. about how Ebola was caused by a mutation, or at least the African epidemic in 2014 uh, was caused by an epidemic.
1: You know, it's interesting that you bring this...
0: An epidemic mutation. Mutation.
1: And I saw the headline when you were doing research about this, and I thought... Oh, that's so interesting. I cannot wait to hear what you have to say about it, honestly. Oh,
0: I have. Well, I, all you had to do to know what I had to say about it was just read my article from October 14th, 2014. You, you predicted this. this had
1: happened. This
0: is exactly what What's going is on. happening. And so the funny thing is that they're now, just now deciding. Well, let me pat that, you on the back. That, well, thank you so much.
1: You, you had it correct.
0: I it, it is amazing to me that these guys didn't really want to say that that's what happened until now that? because the truth of the matter is is that it couldn't be more clear that ebola was changing it was becoming more infectious it was becoming much more of a an issue even studies at harvard were be- suggesting that there were mutation-like effects in that virus
1: i i personally this is just one person's opinion felt that they were Afraid of a public panic. And you can tell me if you think this might be right. But they were trying to reassure people that, oh, no, it can't mutate that fast, and we don't think that's what's happening. And and I, I think what they need to admit is that every single day, every single generation of some viruses mutate. Yes, And so they're changing not only on a yearly basis or a monthly basis or a weekly basis, but almost generation by generation there's some adaptations. And so what we need to realize is that these things are really hard to keep up with. And when you find mutations, by the time, I mean, two years later they finally admit there was a mutation, who knows what has happened to that since then. I know. You know, it's not the same virus or bacteria from from month to month. They they can change. That's not doesn't mean they all change, but some of them can and if they take hold, they can become the dominant one.
0: Absolutely. Which yeah. is
1: obviously what happened, but you're going to share with us. Now, exactly. I just want to they say that mm-hmm. this
0: mutation caused infectivity among the human population to be four times as great as it ordinarily would Had have been. been.
1: Which makes perfect sense because suddenly people who were just near bodies, who, I'm not, not just mean near, like standing near, but, you know, handled bodily fluids. This is, the routine of, of taking care of their dead is nothing that's changed. It's It's not like they suddenly... Did things no, like bathing the dead years, bodies? Years, yeah. Right. They. This is a routine. They've been doing this for who knows how long, millennium. I mean, <clears throat> so nothing changed in the way they handled these bodies, and yet suddenly people were getting sick, we're over from, from from handling from those handling bodies, bodies, dead you know, bodies. Doing right. normal
0: funerary customs.
1: Suddenly, people who had cared for these patients with hazmat suits on and gloves and masks were getting sick because of some small break in their procedures. Some some small thing that really ordinarily shouldn't have allowed them to get Ebola. So something had really changed, and it was obvious to pretty much everyone, but they didn't want to admit it.
0: Right. The interesting thing about this Ebola mutation is a claim that although it made infectivity among humans four times as great Uh and the viral load four times as much, they say that it decreased the infectivity among animals. So they think that as a result, it's unlikely that that particular strain will come back in that area simply because that the animal reservoirs, in other words, the animals that carry... The virus without necessarily getting sick, like bats, and Uh that's what they had over there, monkeys even, uh, that they may not... They're
1: not harboring this particular strain. exactly. They may be
0: harboring it less than... Less
1: infective to human beings. Interesting. So... Well, and because they helped eradicate it from humans which were the carriers once you've gotten rid of the carriers if the animals are no longer the carriers of that particular strain right or less likely, it's not, at least it's not going probably to come back well that's really really interesting stuff
0: and it just shows how mutations really affect these viruses so frequently zika virus as i've always said is is a mutation from the african virus they encountered in or discovered in 1947 and it certainly acts like it. In the past, it didn't cause issues with microcephaly and other kinds of birth defects. It certainly caused a, a mild flu, flu-like flu illness, and in, basically ol- that's about it.
1: And only some people, and only
0: right. 20,
1: 20, right. 20% of the people even have symptoms at all, let alone. I mean, then then that person has to have been pregnant, pregnant at a certain point in their pregnancy. I mean, it. there's so many different
0: factors. Factors
1: yeah. to make it actually a significant disease for a human being, you know, born or unborn, that it's it's rare that it hurts anybody. And now suddenly all of these cases of microcephaly and you know I'm gonna go back and mention something I've mentioned before. I have a theory and I'm you know, someday maybe this one will be proven, but I, I truly believe that the dengue vaccine and because dengue is related to Zika, like a cousin, right. that this vaccine suppressed, and they gave it for all four types of dengue. In Brazil. In in Brazil, that because of that vaccine, the people who received that vaccine, I think they're the ones who got more severe infections of Zika, and they're the ones who had more issues, either themselves or their unborn child. And I think it may come out that that is related. Um, It's not that the vaccine caused the microcephaly, but when you only vaccinate for one or two or even three of the strains of dengue, and then somebody becomes infected with the fourth one that they were not vaccinated for, they have a much, much, much worse infection. So it makes sense to extrapolate that from if you're vaccinated with the four types of dengue, but then you get a related virus, Zika, that you might have a much, much worse infection from Zika. So that's my theory.
0: Right, it's very possible. Dengue virus certainly is a very closely related uh, member of the flavivirus mm-hmm. family, just like Zika and West Nile and yellow fever and a number of other viruses. Also, the question is still... How come there's so much microcephaly, or there were so many cases of microcephaly in Brazil, and not so much elsewhere? I mean, I think Puerto Rico just got its first case of microcephaly a little while ago. But and
1: how many cases have they had? They've
0: had twenty-eight thousand or something like that cases.
1: But how many have been pregnant? I'm not sure. That's true. More than two thousand. Exactly. But more more than than two thousand cases
0: um, among all the Zika viruses uh, cases in the U.S. and its territories. There have been about thirty thousand actually. Uh, if you take them all together, about 2,000 are in pregnant women. And so that's a good question. So,
1: the the percentage of of folks who, pregnant women who get Zika a, during their pregnancy, having kids with microcephaly. It was
0: much higher in is Brazil. Is much
1: higher in Brazil than in which other places. Again, would be a little more evidence towards what I'm talking about. And they really pushed that dengue vaccine on folks in brazil so you know i'm hoping that somebody out there is going to take a look at this one day and say gee because we vaccinated these people for dengue it allowed them to have a much much worse reaction in case of the zika virus
0: right if they got infected with a similar virus like zika
1: exactly so that's that's my theory and I'm sticking to it (laughs) we
0: still have a lot of other theories too there's a Japanese pesticide called piroproxephan that's been used in uh, a lot of areas of Brazil that have the highest number of cases of uh, microcephaly there are all sorts of different theories that are out there and and certainly we have to look at each one of them, you know, do our own research and come to our own conclusions.
1: Honey, would you like some more coffee? I'll take
0: a little more coffee. So more coffee. Thank you so much. Absolutely.
1: It's early morning for us folks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that is that with regards to viruses. Although we are going to talk about viruses today. Today is an infection-heavy ...show that we're uh, doing, and so we're going to talk about that. All right, so
1: everyone get out your hand sanitizers and wash your hands real well. Oh, that's right.
0: <laughs> but first...
1: But don't use antibacterial soap because it's illegal.
0: That's right. Well, let's talk... We can talk about that, that the FDA has actually banned, not the soap itself, but the antibacterial the ingredients and in soap. Right. Uh, 19 of them in total... Uh, triclosan, T R I C L O S A N, uh, is the main ingredient in, for example, Dial antibacterial soap, and they have just now banned that particular ingredient. Right. And because it has found been found, but tell on, people,
1: right, tell uh, people why, uh, why yes. it's banned. It's not going to kill you, folks. Okay, right. it's not giving you cancer. Your your hands aren't going to fall off if you happen to have a few bars of this soap sitting around.
0: Exactly. So you don't have to throw it away, but the truth of the matter is it's not doing you much good and could possibly eliminate some of the normal bacteria that's supposed to be on your skin that takes up the space so that abnormal bacteria does not colonize the area. So that's one thing. And also they found that there really wasn't a big difference in the infection rate, whether you used antibacterial soap or not?
1: No benefit.
0: So there was no Zero benefit,
1: benefit additional cost, one more chemical we're putting yeah, on our bodies. Maybe
0: a little risk but not nothing right. dangerous and while, necessarily, but and, could be.
1: And let's just talk about that balance of bacteria. If and I think probably a lot of our listeners know this, your gut bacteria has a balance between good and bad. And when you take antibiotics in your gut, you know, going through your entire internal system here, from from your mouth to you know, the other end, there are bacteria in there that help break down food, help break down nutrients, help you absorb food and nutrients, and also research has shown that affects your immunity, and that having good bacteria is really, really important to how you fight infections. So, Washing off our our bad bacteria on our skin, our good bacteria on our skin, makes sense that maybe, you know, you might get a little more staph on your skin. And then if you get cut, you might end up with a, a staph infection. So we don't really want to take off our good bacteria from either inside of our bodies or the outside. If you knew how much bacteria and things lived on the outside of your body in various areas it would freak you out especially like your eyelashes folks (laughs) there's some there's some crazy things but again if everything's in balance we're okay so uh, antibacterial soap or taking unnecessary antibiotics neither of those things are good so just Take care of yourself as natural as possible.
0: Well said, young lady.
1: Eat well. And and by the way, I truly believe in yogurt and probiotics. I, I'm not sure if the capsules do any good. I'm actually taking some myself to try and help um, immunity. But, you know, I just don't know. And I, I wish I – I feel like I have a good one because I, I trust my doctor. But, you know, live cultures from yogurt – Eat some yogurt every morning. Yogurt, the best thing you could eat. Great breakfast. Yog Greek yogurt or some natural yogurt, organic, with a little honey and a little granola. Can't beat that breakfast. And maybe a little bit of fruit. So sliced strawberries or sliced bananas.
0: Sounds delicious. Great breakfast. Yes.
1: Good for you.
0: But also remember that your immune system is life, there are lifestyle things too involved with your immune system. Smoking's bad for you. You need to get enough sleep. That's another important thing. A little sunlight. Yes, sunlight. Di- for
1: vitamin D. A diet
0: high in antioxidants. We had a show, an entire show on that a while ago. Fresh,
1: right, which would include fresh vegetables and fruits. But make sure you wash them. Get the pesticides off.
0: Oh, absolutely. Got to
1: wash your fruit and vegetables very, very well.
0: All right, friends.
1: And neighbors.
0: Have you felt the joy and satisfaction <laughs> that you get... From helping the elderly? Well, why not make an old man very happy by getting a copy of our brand new Spanking Third, b- brand Spanking New, actually, <laughs> third are edition. are spanking our book. <laughs> third edition of the Survival Medicine Handbook, The Essential Guide for When Medical Help Is Not On The Way. It's uh-huh. now available on Amazon. And the old man you'd be helping, why? That would be me. Oh, that's right. We would have you're that. You're not so old. You'd have that satisfaction. You're just of a helping tiny bit elderly. old. Just, yeah. <laughs> you're just,
1: not old yeah, at all.
0: I'm extraordinarily old.
1: No, I'll tell you. You know who's old? Who? When you, in your mind, you think you're old. In then my you're mind. old.
0: Oh well, then I'm just old. A, no, <laughs> I think I'm old. you have
1: to think young. There are eight people in their late eighties. That are not old. You know why they're not old? Because they think young. Uh-huh. And that, you got to have hope and get out there and have some adventures. It doesn't mean you have to skydive. And I'm not skydiving. Yeah. <laughs> Neither are you. I'm not letting you jump out of a plane. But it means having a, an open mind, loving life, making memories, enjoying oh. the flowers and the, the fresh air and the sunshine, taking the little things and, and ha- getting pleasure from them. You know?
0: Yep, it's true, folks. I married a hippie. (laughs) Wow.
1: Well, I'll tell you, material things just will not make people happy no matter how much you think it will, folks. It does not... Look at the most miserable people in the world are probably the richest people in the world. And they keep buying things and trying to get things. And you know what? It's not fulfilling their life. It's love and family and happiness and being a good person makes you feel good inside.
0: Well, I'll tell you one thing, one physical thing that will make you happy, and that is getting a copy of our third edition of our Survival <laughs> well, Medicine Handbook. Okay,
1: yes, but that's health. <laughs> that's, uh, but, what, what, <laughs> but what we're trying to provide is health. What I'm saying is buying ridiculous things like, uh, oh, I need a new car, or I need a new this, or another one of the, those things. But no, yes, getting food and shelter and and preps, survival preps, medicine
0: handbook, preps for <laughs> right
1: for you know bad times those are those are all perfectly fine absolutely and especially a medical kit that's right you should always have a medical kit heck you don't even know every day we do something to get a slice a cut a scratch i swear especially up here in tennessee because mm. there's a lot of thorns and bushes and vines and just yesterday we were hiking on a trail and folks, the leaves have fallen. A lot of them have fallen so the trails are covered with blankets of leaves. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. And we've been going, you know, kind of up and down. We're not climbing any mountains. I'm not climb- I'm not claiming to climb up mountains, but some of the trails Moderate are Liestram. a little little steep As at times. As they say in
0: the guidebooks. And the mm-hmm.
1: the roots or vines that go across the trails we can't see. And so, a few times, you and I have sort of been
0: bouncing around,
1: twisted our ankle a little bit. No injuries, but you know, you're just walking along, and something happens. You never know. That's absolutely right. Always have a medical kit. Always have something on you, even if you just left your car for a few minutes. And we take the uh, personal kit with us whenever we go out on our. Even if we leave the car for five minutes, that our little personal kit is with us. Because I don't want, if one of us gets hurt, oh, I have to run to the car. Well, you know what? Bears are roaming around right now, and I certainly don't want a, one of us to be sitting out there by ourselves with bears around. There was They're, they're walking in our backyard here. Yeah,
0: true. <laughs> <Now> we <laughs> had a bear were, last night. Yep. The,
1: when we went over to Roaring Fork, the, there were like 20 cars stopped, and they were all taking pictures. The bear of was course. 10 feet away from the road. So you know if they're by the road that they're all up in these trails. So oh, yeah. There are about of...
0: 1,800 bears in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, which is where we are. And they are they're there. They're hungry, too. But, uh, so do not bother bears. You're actually, <laughs> you're actually though, more dangerous <laughs> to bears than they are to you.
1: But you know what? It, they introduced that seem to be doing pretty well here. I'm just going to talk about the park a little bit because it's been so beautiful. Um, they have elk now. Yes. Now we used to get a report about how many new babies and how many had, had maybe passed away on the elk. Did we actually see that no, in, the, had, in the visitor newspaper? No, it's not this in year? that visitor
0: in newspaper. Um there were last year about hundred and forty something elk. Yeah. And so you can't find them, especially on the North Carolina on the, side. On the
1: Cherokee side. Yeah. What's the the name of that farm? Elk
0: It's um Cataloo, uh, no, uh yeah, the um
1: you know the farm? O'Connellufty Farm. O'Connellufty Farm.
0: Yeah, you see that right I can't around. Remember. That's right where around we there. got
1: the corn. If anyone watches um, my corn video, you see the corn that's like 12 feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> that actually grew even taller. It ended up hitting the top of the screen and yeah. going sideways. I think Silver, some,
0: Silver Queen is where. Some of that
1: was like 16 feet high. That's where we, I will say, took, I won't say steel, we took a few cobs of corn. That were just laying on the ground, they didn't want them, and we grew that corn. Yeah. That was really cool.
0: Yeah, it was pretty amazing. And they try to
1: only grow heritage stuff, things that have been growing in that area for a long time. So, I actually had heirloom corn from the Smoky Mountain National Park in our corn video. You could see that on our YouTube channel.
0: Well, you know what? Lee? Uh, let me say just a second uh, talk for Go a second. Go wherever since
1: you we want. I, I took since you We mentioned way,
0: bears. I, I you took, took me. I took out you of out the, on a
1: trail. Yeah. I took you on a trail. I took you out on injuries. Uh, we talked about some bears. We talked about the elk. Which is really cool. Oh, you know what we're seeing a lot of also is chipmunks. Chipmunks. They're so cute.
0: <laughs> now, interestingly, chipmunks are theoretically more aggressive in the fall than they are any other time because they're trying to get food or trying Ooh, to do whatever. Aren't they scattering they're, around? They're like They're scurrying, scurrying around. And yep. do, like,
1: da, 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 da. Yep. They're working really hard.
0: Incredible. So
1: Good work ethic. <laughs> now
0: the most important thing I think Well let's talk a little bit About well, black bears, bears. Black oh, bears they scary You might be surprised To know that they're only About eight ounces When they are born However they can reach Up to 500 pounds As adults At least the males can Males interestingly Are called boars
1: Boars.
0: That's right But uh, the baby bears Are not called piglets so They're <laughs> called cubs <laughs> you know,
1: somebody needs to straighten out that whole animal world naming thing. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs>
0: Very
1: I mean, strange. Really. I mean, really. A gaggle. A and
0: geese. A murder of crows. Murder of crows. crows right. <laughs> now, interestingly enough, when we talk about bears, we usually talk about situational awareness. And we've right. talked about that. So let's talk a little bit more about what to do if you happen to come across a bear. Of course, you should probably avoid hiking at dawn or dusk or at night. Because bears basically like to be out and about when you're there, especially before well, they bre- hibernate
1: breakfast and dinner, time. yeah well
0: they well they need to <laughs> yeah there you go, well, they need to fatten up as much as they possibly can, and if you encounter a bear on the trail you should probably first off, you should be relatively noisy, don't uh, you don't want to come across a bear surprise a bear. Uh you definitely want to have a little bit of noise, let them know you're around. Most of the time the bears aren't going to be hunting you, they're going to be try think you're hunting them and will go away. Now so therefore, you know, seeing the Star Spangled Banner on the trail is probably not a bad strategy <laughs> when it comes to avoiding bear encounters because the bears are probably gonna not hang around you. I mean, of course, Don't do it with a uh, hamburger or a hot dog in your hand. That's probably not a good idea. (laughs) Now, let's let's say that you encounter a bear at a distance. If you do and the bear doesn't see you, just keep out of sight and go slowly behind, downwind of the bear if you can. If the bear does see you, though, slowly retreat the way you came. A bear that is in defensive mode is going to huff. It's going to hiss slap the ground with its paws maybe it's going to tell you that you're too close in some way so put some distance between you and the animal now the one thing you shouldn't do is not run do not run because oftentimes these guys will chase you just because it's i guess an instinct of them to do so you're that's a prey response and so uh you may be saying hey I am your prey now the concern that you should have is if a bear follows you quietly, it's got its ears erect, its attention is clearly directed at you. It might be in predatory mode if it's not acting defensively. So if that's the case, then you actually have to really be loud. You have to make yourself appear larger, be threatening. Uh, if you're in a group, stay together. Look, You'll look like a bigger threat. So a bear that's initially curious or testing, you know, if you really appear meek, uh, it may become predatory. So that's something that's important. You might consider carrying some pepper spray or something, but unfortunately, pepper spray is most effective at a very close range, like five or 10 feet. So that's really sort of up to you. Now, remember, you cannot outrun a bear. So do not run. Now, unless you're a squirrel, don't try to climb a tree. It's, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm not at the point in my life where I can climb a tree faster than a bear. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'd like so, to see it though so a, <laughs> right. I, will, I promise folks If he tries to climb a tree really fast I'll take a video
0: <laughs> So anyhow The bottom line is If you do wind up in an encounter with a bear It actually physically attacks you Kick it, punch it, hit the bear in the face The eyes, the nose, whatever you have Anything Now some people say you should play dead And that it might disconcert the bear Some people do believe in that uh, But remember deer, deer, uh, bear feed on dead carcasses like deer carcasses and things like that so you may wonder if it really is the best idea to pretend to be one (laughs) so but if you one thing if you're on the trail and you have a backpack if you're going to do that lay on your stomach have the backpack on top of you make sure you protect your head with your hands and elbows and the back of your neck especially also so that's that's something. And, and and let's say if it's a mother that's just protecting its cubs, they it decide you're not really a threat. So that's the deal. And, of course, because you probably won't get away <clears throat> from that kind of encounter without some uh, claw marks, then you definitely need, as Amy says, a decent medical kit. So that's something that's very, very, very important.
1: Oh, yeah. We we also get sticks before we go on uh, any significant hikes. If we're just leaving the car for a little bit, we don't. But... We usually have uh, hiking sticks, walking sticks with us. And it's not just great for stability, but it's also great in case, you know, you need to poke something in the nose to keep it a little bit further away from you than you want it. Now, I want to say something yeah, about... She hi- does that
0: with me a lot. Yeah, <laughs> Pokes me in
1: the nose. I have a Joe stick. Is that what yeah. you're saying? I a bear stick.
0: Poke me right in the nose. Uh,
1: I try not to. Um, hibernation. Um, It's interesting that, um, you know, some people say, oh, they don't really hibernate or, oh, yes, they do. The fact is, and um, this is the truth, is they actually do lower their metabolism and don't need a lot of calories to maintain their weight and their muscle and their strength. But they can leave their den. Their dens are not as deep as some animals and if they hear noises, they actually will leave their den and go inspect and find out what's going on. So, so they're not like They're not in that dead to deep, the world, you're saying? Right, they're not in that deep poke me with a stick, I won't move kind of thing. They're they still have a little bit of alertness and they will move around. So you might find bears walking around even though there is snow outside. So don't think just because it got really cold that you aren't going to have any bear encounters and you're completely safe. It's not true. If you accidentally have come upon an area where a bear is hibernating and would like to stay asleep and chilled out, it might just come out and find out what's going on. So, you know, don't think that you're completely safe. And I just wanted to mention that for people who think hibernation means Absolutely, you won't see any bears in the winter. It's not true.
0: So bottom line, don't poke a bear.
1: We don't. (laughs) Try to stay away from bear dens, which, of course, there's no signs that says, entering bear den area. There there are signs on the road that says, you know, active bears. We have seen those at the beginning of a lot of trails.
0: Bears are active in this area. (laughs) Yeah, bears
1: are active, which is always a really fun sign to read just before you go uh, deep into the woods by yourself. (laughs) It's like... Okay, honey, uh, you got your running shoes on? <laughs> and I've read some really funny t-shirts, but one of them um, in this, uh, one of our favorite um, hiking, camping little stores, um, it has, it It says, and I'm probably just paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact words, but I believe it says, never hike alone. Always hike with someone you can trip and run faster than. <laughs> so.
0: My favorite is uh, I hike the entire... Width of the Appalachian Trail, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Instead of length, <laughs>
1: length exactly. <laughs> All
0: right, you know what? Let's talk about something else. We talked about a five hundred pound problem, and now we can talk yeah. about a five hundred micron problem. And that, uh, you know, recently I wrote about the medical issue that would be very unusual in normal times, mm-hmm. but a bigger issue in times of trouble. Or if you happen to. Go on a mission to, let's say, to an underdeveloped country. That was parasitic worms, Ooh, and yuck. that that occurs as a result of problems related to poor hygiene, sanitation, and these are chronic issues in a lot of countries, and they cause parasites to re- e- reach epidemic epidemic status.
1: Right. Well, the, just one thing um, that would be a, another reason why you and I are not going on naked and afraid.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've seen. Just, I'm just going yeah. to the, the, yes. add that to the add
1: that to the. The list, of reasons, reasons why. There's a whole bunch of them before no, that. I'm going to add that one to the list too. We have too. A, good,
0: a few good friends who have done that, and they've <laughs> they've done they've done very well on it, but not uh, not while they're doing it after oh. after after they finish. <laughs> so, anyhow, but I want to talk about other types of parasites today that are more common in local water sources, especially in North America, and especially if you hike in some of these beautiful areas that have mountain streams and things like that. They're much more common than the worms that I wrote about recently, and, but they can have dire consequences, and one of these is called Giardia, and Giardia is a family of parasites that's found in just about every region on Earth. In North America, we have to worry about something called Giardia lamblia. Sometimes known as Giardia intestinalis And you can figure out what the problem is there (laughs) But let's talk about parasites in general You know
1: what? They all sound horrible
0: That's right (laughs) Now a parasite feeds off and other organisms live And Giardia prefers mammals Including humans And it is a hardy bug It can live for long periods of time In moist soil or water And and if you get infected with it, it that infection is known as giardiasis. I, it's hard to say whether you can call it infection or infestation. Uh, occurs as a result of ingesting food and water that is contaminated with feces, often animal feces uh, that you might wind up seeing in or or having contaminate, let's say, a stream in the mountains. Now, once a person or animal becomes infected with giardia it inhabits the intestines, and it chronically passes it in excrement at least for as long as the infection is active. Now the most common cause of gogiardia transmission well that occurs believe it or not from person to person not just not necessarily from poorly prepared food or food or unsterile Water in the back country. Truly improper bathroom hygiene accounts for the majority of cases. And
1: Okay, that's gross. I'll say. Because you can extrapolate that into what it means. It means people are not washing their hands and then they're touching other things that people are then putting in their mouth. That is gross. Wash your hands after you go to the bathroom, people.
0: Yeah, what's the matter with you?
1: Oh,
0: yeah, That's right. Um... Well, once you become infected, as I said, it inhabits the intestines and then you start having some issues. Now, by the way, one of the most common ways to get this is not from hiking in the wilderness, but actually from having a kid in daycare they are mothers and child care workers who, who don't adhere to strict hand-washing. Big problems, especially while you're ch- changing the diapers of uh, a baby of that happens infants, to be infected. Yes. Yeah. yes, Absolutely. Now, the symptoms of GRD don't appear immediately. They can begin as early, though, as two days after infection, maybe longer, though, in some other cases, a couple of weeks in some cases. Now, as an intestinal infection, you can see a significant watery diarrhea, and the stools, when they do come out, Solid or semi-solid, or, or soft and greasy looking.
1: Greasy, right? And that's that's right. the key to it.
0: And that's right. <clears throat> they and, look oily, right? Now, other symptoms include gas, a lot of bloating, abdominal cramps. I guess they all three of those go together. Uh, an upset stomach, nausea, and uh, of course, if you've had it for a while, you're going to be have weight loss. You might become dehydrated. You'll be fatigued. All of these things don't sound necessarily so bad. In at least in mild cases, but uh, in, in the severe cases, the symptoms last for weeks, and they could lead to really severe dehydration. And of course, in earlier times, that was a common cause of avoidable deaths. And it's a serious and that's issue. The key. Yeah, that's
1: avoidable right. Avoidable deaths. That's
0: right. You know, you can't. Uh, you know, if if uh, Negan from Walking Dead uh, comes at you with the bat and. And what's the name? Lucille, I think his name oh, is the, bat, the Baseball bat. bat, 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 bat Waxie on the head. You might not be able to do much about it. with barbed wire. Right. You might not be able to do much about it, but you certainly can do things to avoid dehydration, avoid other...
1: And treats.
0: That's exactly right. Exactly. So it, wherever advanced care is not available, the truth of the matter is, is that it is a serious issue, dehydration. And children, especially prone to it, they don't have as much of a... Uh, water reserve, I guess, as adults do, and especially if they're, they're, they have chronic dehydration because mm-hmm. they have these parasites long-term, it can stunt their growth. It could cause developmental abnormalities, all sorts of things like that. Now, to treat giardiasis, these symptoms can be treated, of course, with hydration, and there are antibiotics that are antiparasitic not just kill bacteria, but kill parasites too, like Giardia. Metronidazole, the aquarium equivalent for that is called fishazole, F-I-S-H hyphen Z-O-L-E, or other or anti-worm drugs, otherwise known as anti-helminthics, uh, like Albendazole will also work. So these are I relatively easy. A-L-B-E-N-D-A-Z-O-L-E. But the Metronidazole is what you can get in. Fish form And this is something that will indeed Deal with the problem Now I will say that If it is a mild Giardia infection It will resolve without treatment Probably after a few weeks However a few weeks with Giardia Is probably not something you'd like to do So you probably want to treat it If you possibly can Now it's thought that some people Actually develop a carrier relationship With Giardia That means that their symptoms Have become less or uh, not noticeable over time, or
1: they just get used to it right and, it, and it's not causing a severe problem. I mean if you obviously get severe dehydration, you're not going to be able to move, but if you're you going keep to be yourself, stuck in bed right. right
0: if you can keep yourself hydrated though, you might be able to st- function have a
1: tolerance right but
0: the, the problem is that you could be contagious
1: you're st- right you're still infected exactly,
0: and that can even happen sexually there's even sexual transmission of this through Oral and fecal routes. I mean, some
1: okay. We won't get into details a, about that, but
0: we, we won't talk about how that occurs. But I think
1: people can use their imaginations. Ugh. Crazy baby, <laughs>
0: crazy baby. All right. Well, to prevent giardiasis, of course there there is no true medicine or vaccine that prevents giardia. However, there are a number of precautions that are going to minimize your risk of infection. Number one. Wash your hands, for goodness sake. Hand washing after going to the bathroom, changing diapers, or before or after preparation of food is going to decrease significantly the chance of a Giardia infection. Use alcohol-based sanitizers if you can't have soap and water available to you, so that's something that's always important. Alcohol-based sanitizers, these are good medical supplies to have.
1: You know, I just want to mention something. It's been a while since either of us had kids that were in daycare. (laughs) Just a while, a few years. I wonder if they require gloves now for changing diapers. I'm actually looking that up.
0: That is a good question. I'm,
1: I'm, looking, I'm looking up daycare rules about changing diapers.
0: Interesting. So that's something. Now, that, of course, if you have questionable water, disinfect it. Uh, avoid drinking untreated water from lakes, rivers, creeks, and springs unless you filter it with products like, let's say, the life straw, the Mini Sawyer. These are excellent uh, and compact Water filters, of course, there are bigger ones like the Berkey water filter. Uh, Alternatively, bring water to an active boil for, let's say, one to five minutes first and add a minute for every thousand feet of elevation because water boils at lower temperatures higher up. Uh, I will say that Giardia is relatively resistant to bleach. uh, That's a commonly used water disinfectant, so you have to use more bleach than normal if you want to try to get rid of it using that method.
1: Okay, well, there's actually a website called GloveUniversity.com.
0: Glove University. I'm not kidding. Okay.
1: And it's disposable glove use in child care facilities. Uh, And they say federal regulations, while we are unaware of any specific federal regulations pertaining to glove use while changing diapers, OSHA does require gloves to be worn whenever hands come in contact with any body fluid, including urine or feces, visibly contaminated with blood. So that would not be during diaper change. However, state regulations are requiring gloves in a certain number of states, including just a few here, Alabama, Arizona, Illinois, Rhode Island, Vermont, Virginia, and Wyoming. While other states recommend glove use and mandate a facility have gloves available, they stop short of requiring gloves to be worn during diaper changes. And frankly, folks, if I had a newborn or a young child that needed a diaper change at a daycare, I would raise heck, and that's the nice word, that anyone who touched my child down there better be wearing gloves because I don't know where their hands have been. They might have just changed somebody else's diaper. Don't give my kids something. No True wonder that. these kids get terrible diaper rashes. Okay, so anyway, make sure that someone wears gloves if they change your child's diaper, if it's not you, because you know where your hands are. And as parents, we are careful about our children. But others might not be.
0: Again, well said. Now, travel concerns. Now, you could be an adult moving away from uh, child care. Uh, it, you could be an adult and traveling, or a kid and traveling. And, and if that's the case, you're going to a place where water is of questionable quality. Use bottled water wherever you can, even for brushing your teeth. Now, that's the thing. People don't realize that water is going to be used to hopefully clean food that you're that's being prepared there. Water is being used in making iced tea, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, water is... Being used by you just to brush your teeth. So when you're brushing your teeth, what are you doing? You're basically uh, wetting your toothbrush absolutely. under the under the faucet. And that's something that you might consider avoiding and using bottled water for that while you're traveling in places that are dodgy. Oh, So absolutely. that's important. And also... We
1: do that. We use bottled water to right. brush our teeth in exactly. unsavory exactly. locations. But
0: also avoid ice. <laughs> If in local drinks, yes. avoid putting ice made from local water in drinks. That's where people really get in trouble, I think, because nobody really realizes that. We do. And we're actually sort of lucky. I'm careful. If, you know, no you, ice,
1: please.
0: If you travel to Europe, they really don't put ice in drinks. And I guess that we should well, be thankful for them not to well, do Well, they're that.
1: starting to put ice in it more often. I think they're getting tired of tourists asking, so they're just doing it. But just say no ice and brush your teeth with bottled water. Both of those are really good advice, honey.
0: Now, a lot of these vacations, you might go swimming. And so if, when you're swimming, you probably should keep your mouth closed. So that's something that they also recommend. I remember in the Rio Olympics recently, uh, there was Ooh, like some
1: gonna mention the water. huge
0: percentage of infection <sighs> that occurs as occurred as a result of opening your mouth while the... Participating in one of the sports that is in was in the bay there, <laughs> so gross. which had all this human sewage and weird, <laughs> oh crazy bacteria there. So, so that's something that's pretty important. Also, so that's important. Uh, wash food before you eat it. Uh, raw, raw fruits and vegetables before adding them to your meal, and you have to wash food with safe water. That's one thing that's very, very important. And in uh, and this, uh, I'll say this again: well, you should practice. Safe sex, uh, sexual intercourse, especially certain types of sexual intercourse, can transmit Giardia through the fecal route. So oh, avoid this here we go method. Again. <laughs> avoid this method, or use a barrier like a condom. This well, hey, I'm know, talking medically. A I'm a doctor. I'm I talking know, medically. And this know, is sort of what I have know. to do. I mean, I, what we have to just realize is that sometimes the smallest organisms can cause really major medical issues. You're absolutely right. And that can happen in good times. That can happen in bad times. You're right. And in either situation, you really have to pay careful attention to sanitation and hygiene. You got, you know, if you can do that, then you will have the best chance of keeping it together at home, abroad, on that wilderness hike, in just about any situation. Just pay attention to it. And a giardia is one of the things that you should pay attention to. Well,
1: and, you know, and the whole condom protection thing you know there is a huge uptick in STDs again I, 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 I don't know when there was a time actually that they've said they've gone down but they keep saying oh it's getting worse it's getting worse it's getting my gosh how are we going to get a hold of this people have got to use protection until you know the person that you're with doesn't have anything that means everyone's got to go to the doctor and you need to take your test results and hand it to your partner. So you don't just take their word for it. Oh, yeah, I'm clean. Uh-huh, yeah. All right, well, I saw that happen with a patient of mine who was pregnant mm-hmm. who came in with an infection, a really bad sexually transmitted disease. And I said, honey, your partner is going out on you, and you have got to use protection if you're going to stay with him. Because the next thing he brings you is going to be really bad. And lo and behold, this woman came back a year later pregnant by the same partner. And you and I had to tell the woman that she had HIV.
0: Yes, I remember. Horrible.
1: Horrible. Please, folks, protect yourself. You just don't know. You need tests. You need to have proof. Do not take someone's word that they're clean. Until then, use protection. Be Super, super careful. Abstinence is always the best advice when you don't know.
0: Well, you have said just an awesome number. There have been nuggets of knowledge. <laughs> there have been nuggets of knowledge. Just let me all talk. through this show. Just
1: let me talk. <laughs> <laughs> Wash your hands. Use gloves when someone else changes your child's diaper. It's true. It is all. Don't travel to unsavory places. Yeah, don't put of, ice in your glass.
0: A lot of it is common sense. You're absolutely right.
1: Well, you know what I'm. Over the years you learn things. Sometimes they're hard lessons or sometimes they're just <clears throat> things that you learn from other people's mistakes, but you acquire wisdom as you get older. So you young folks out there better listen to us cuz we know what we're talking about. Right? Do your old man our- voice.
0: Well, all I have to my old man voice. Your old man voice. Uh, this is my old man voice. It is not. You're not old, <laughs>
1: folks. Please. He's not listening to me. He's well, not
0: old. We are out of time, and it's uh, there. They have my porridge ready. That's sad. My, my mush is uh, ready, so I've got to. They're <laughs> going to wheel wheel me out to the. I'll,
1: uh, I'll put some honey and ca- cafeteria
0: for the early bird and. Uh, I just want to thank everybody for listening <laughs> to the Survival Medicine Hour this time around, and we are going to, I guess, see you next week. Yes. will still be our next week. We'll still be in Gatlinburg, uh,
1: yes, Tennessee. We will. That, that'll be like one of our last days. Right. It's and sad.
0: Yes, and we'll, might be
1: really sad depending on the election. Oh,
0: oh wow. boy! Well, no comments <laughs> There. All the best. To, to everyone, everyone. All, <laughs> to all to everyone no matter who, who can, you're voting for. All we can do is wish good luck, good luck to everyone. Thanks for <laughs> listening. See you next time.